The parable of the Good Samaritan. <laughs> one, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to the test teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord with all with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind love your neighbor as yourself you have answered correctly just replied do this and you will live uh, he wanted to justify himself so he asked jesus and who is my neighbor and replied jesus says a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, when he was being attacked by robbers. They striped him of his clothes, beat him away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on by the other side, so too, a Levite. But when he came to his place and saw him, he passed on by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man onto his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave him to the inn to look after him. You may said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, with additional sound effects and boo, I think, in the background. Um, appreciated that, Ethan. Thank you so much for reading to us this, this morning and bringing God's word to us. Um, I'm going to hand over to Becky now, but let me just pray for Becky as she, uh, she comes and speaks to us. Lord, we, we thank you just for the power of this, uh, this, this parable, this story that you told quite unexpectedly uh, to somebody who was going to be, uh, thought he was after a slick answer. Um, and Lord, I, I just pray that you would, um, uh, in fresh new ways, uh, uh, bring that, that message home to us this morning. Lord, speak through Becky. Thank you for her, for her, her wisdom, her preparation. Um, and Lord, we just pray that the words that we hear this morning um, be your words through Becky. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm there. Um, morning. This is very weird, I've got to say. Um, but it, especially because I can hear myself echoing from the kitchen. Mike, maybe you could turn it down a little bit. Um, just, um, yeah, it's lovely. And it's, I've just been struck by the fact that God is here um, with us. And um, just as we were singing, Jess was clambering all over me. And she said, Mummy, is God and Jesus in our hearts? And I said, yeah. And she said, what, both of them? And I said, yes. And she said, and are they in my armpit? And I, I didn't quite know how to answer that question. But um, he is here with us. And I'm, um, it's, I'm really grateful to um, be with you this morning. Now, I've got to say I'm a little bit nervous, particularly about the technology. Um, it's not my forte. Um, those of you who know me might um, get that. And when I um, joined 
older book a few um, years ago, I quickly got to know um, the IT support department um, because they were regularly called to my classroom to help me out, particularly um, I had a smart TV that had to be linked to a computer and um, I could never get it to work. So I had a particular year eight class where I think I'd had several lessons in a row where I'd had to send someone to get Mr Howlett. Um, And um, they always wanted to help as well, the students first. They would, you know, try and jump onto the computer and do things and put Netflix on and all sorts of things and I was you know trying to rein them back and sit them down and and get control and um so Mr Howlett would come and fix it and we'd all be there and I remember one of them um said to me once I'd just got them settled books out ready to start and he put his hand up and he said can I just ask one question and I said what's that then Sammy and he said um when you're at home do you have to ring Mr Howlett to change the channel on your tv um no, I just get my kids to do it. So that's what I'm going to do today. If um, we have any technical problems, I'll just bring in the technical gang. Um, although they might turn me upside down or put some kind of weird background on. So I'm sorry if that happens. Um, just want to say thank you um, to Ethan for reading that. I'm bringing the story to life so well. Thank you, Ethan. That was brilliant. Um, and we're going to unpack that story in a minute. But this, I'm going to test my technology now, see if I can do the first thing. Um, I'm just going to share my screen. Hold on. Um, are we there? Paul's giving me the thumbs up. I think that's worked. Thank you. Um, so we're going to unpack this story uh, of the uh, Good Samaritan in Luke 10. But I just want to start by asking you a question. And it's this. What are the stories that you have heard or read recently that provoked you, that made, you know, that created a strong reaction in you that either made you excited that made you angry that made you sad so just going to give you um, a minute or two now you can um, type it in the chat if you want to or you can talk to the people um, who are with you um, this morning but what are the stories um, that you've heard it might be in the news it might be on social media it might be something that a friend has has shared with you Um, and if you don't want to share them that's fine but if you if you do then post them in the chat and we can see what some of those stories are okay I'm just wondering whether I can yet see the chat. Let's just have a look. Here we are. Okay. So, um, yeah, Black Lives Matters, um, the virus. um, What have we got there? George Floyd, a bus driver in France. Yeah, so lots of um, the the statuses, the statues, sorry. Um, Yeah, the situation in Hong Kong. So lots of um, different stories and some of those um, will be very personal to us for certain reasons. Some of them might be something that was completely new to us, but that's maybe um, shocked us or, or spoke to us in a different way. Um, so I just want you to kind of hold on to those stories, maybe, and we might come back to them um, later on. So when we get to Luke 10, then we have um, encountered a Jesus over the last few weeks who has very clearly come to seek and save the lost and the marginalised. We've seen a Jesus who has gone out of his way to include the outcast and embrace the weak and and to kind of include those who society um, has shunned. And today's passage definitely continues that theme. Um, I think the Good Samaritan was probably my second favourite Bible story um, when I was growing up. And my favourite was the prodigal son, because I remember as quite a young child being blown away by the outrageous uh, grace and forgiveness of the father as he welcomed home his um, wayward son. 
And I think that for me, that was that was the story that really helped me to understand the gospel and what Jesus's love meant for me. But the Good Samaritan as well was a story that then kind of taught me, well, how do I respond to that? What does um, the fact that Jesus has loved me so much, what does that mean for my life? Because the Good Samaritan is also a story of outrageous grace and it shows us how we can follow Jesus's example. Now, lots of you are probably um, very, very familiar with that story. And I think I've been struck by the fact that it can be really easy to oversimplify. But as I've returned um, to it in recent weeks, I've also been amazed by the kind of fresh challenges it can bring um, in our current situation. And and I do really love that about the Bible. I love the fact that you can read the same thing um, again and God can really use it to um, change your mind on something and to challenge you perhaps in a way that you hadn't noticed before. So it starts then with an expert in the law um, asking Jesus this question Paul mentioned earlier. What do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus, as he sometimes uh, does, responds to that question with a question. Um, Sorry, let me just see if I can move that slide on. There we are. Um, He responds to the question um, with uh, a question. And he says, he asks him, he wants to get to the bottom of what is the man really asking? So he says, well, what do you think? And um, the man quotes the commandments. But then he, he wants to take it a little bit further. And he says um, to Jesus, well, who is my neighbour? I think what he's really asking is if loving God wholeheartedly means loving my neighbour, do I really need to love those who aren't like me? And in Jesus' story, the man is lying half dead at the side of the road after being beaten and robbed and as the the robbers kind of exit um, on one side of the stage first walks on a a priest and then a Levi and according to um, Jess's children's bible in the version of that story they both walk past because they are doing good things for God each of them see the injured man at the side of the road and they walk past now in in Jewish culture you probably know to touch and that bloody battered body would risk uh, contamination they would have become ceremonially unclean had they gone down and knelt down and and picked that man up so I kind of started to wonder as I was reading this again was it just that concern to protect their purity which caused them to walk past or were they um, just in a rush so it was inconvenient to stop um were they scared I mean I guess the rubbers could still be lurking somewhere maybe they were scared for their own safety Maybe they just kind of thought, well, that was his own stupid fault, wasn't it, for, you know, getting himself in that situation. Maybe just thought it was best to mind their own business. And I kind of was wondering as well, was it an instant decision just to walk past? Was it kind of a heartless, you know, I don't care about him? Or did they kind of pause and deliberate and weigh up the cost of, of stopping to help that man? And when they continued on their way, did that choice play on their conscience? Or did they just forget it and carry on with their day? And I think it's really easy to make the the Levite and the priest in this story the baddies. But actually, I've been really challenged that we can all be distracted from showing grace and compassion because we're focused on doing good stuff for God. And we don't always allow him to stop us in our tracks and to break our hearts for the things that he cares about because we're so intent on doing the thing that we've always, always done. Um, 
Dave Tubby spoke a few weeks ago and he talked about the fact that hurry is the greatest enemy of faith. And that's a real challenge to me as someone who often lives life at 100 miles an hour. Um, the need to kind of be in the moment and rather than thinking about the next thing, pausing to notice the things around me and giving that gift of time often is is incredibly precious because sometimes that is when we notice things that we'd ordinarily miss. But I think in this story, it's more about giving time. It's also about having a compassion that makes other things become insignificant. So the priest and the Levite ignore the suffering of the um, man and they walk by. But what about the Samaritan? The Jewish uh, people's hatred of the Samaritan race um, was deep and ingrained. And for Jesus' original listeners, the, the term Samaritan would not have had the positive connotations um, it has for us today. We talk about the Samaritans, you know, helping people. All right, it would absolutely would have had not that positive um, connotation at all. It would have jarred with people listening to Jesus' story. Why, they probably thought, why bring a Samaritan into the story? That's not how this story is supposed to go. They are not the good guys. Um, but the Samaritan is the one who stops to help. And here is Jesus making a really subversive statement about race relations in third century Israel. All right, apparently there are lots of these kind of stories, similar stories to the Good Samaritan, but the priest was always the hero. And here's Jesus taking a story that they may well have heard before and completely twisting it around. In one of the commentaries I read um, by someone called, really great name, R.A. Culpepper, uh, wrote, he says, Jesus kills two proverbial birds of prejudice with one stone with the Good Samaritan story. First, he's making the point that loving one's neighbour is to transcend all racial and cultural boundaries. But second, Jesus is challenging Jews' stereotyped negative generalisation of Samaritans by casting the Samaritan as a compassionate hero. And Jesus doesn't embellish his tale with lots of detail. And we're kind of left guessing as well, what was going through the Samaritan's head when he saw that man lying at the side of the road? Was it instant compassion? Was it a kind of gut reaction that to help? And then before he knew it, he was in too deep and had this man he didn't quite know what to do with. Was, was he kind of worried about uh, transgression, these racial and cultural boundaries that would have been very kind of... Um, hard to, to break in many ways. Did it cause disruption to his plans and his schedule? But whatever his thought process or motives in that time where he sees the man and goes to help him, in, the fact is he, it says, he comes to where the man was. He comes to where the man was. And then he goes the extra mile. So he tends to his wounds with oil and wine, it says. It carries him on his own donkey. He, um, he ensures the man is... is um, looked after until he recovers fully. And I think the generosity of this stranger is is astounding because it isn't just kind of a, a begrudging lift to the nearest in, right, you're on your own, mate, from there, sorry, I'm off. It's But it's a commitment to care for him until he's fully better. And the Samaritan was walking down the road. Now, as far as we know, he wasn't on a special mission trip. He didn't work for a charity. He wasn't kind of going out necessarily to look for someone to help. But he saw the opportunity, compassion moved him and he came to where the man was. What happens next, we're told, is in kind of a very factual, matter of fact way. But I wonder, what, what was it really like as they travelled along the road together, these people that weren't supposed to associate? Was it awkward? What did they talk about? 
could the man actually even talk because he was that badly injured? It, as the Samaritan tenderly bathed his wounds and kind of soothed him and generously paid for an overnight stay, was that embarrassing for the man? Probably. Was it inconvenient for the man to come back and then, you know, have to come back and pay the bills later on? Again, very, very much likely. Um, but the fact is that they became part of each other's stories. The Samaritan man came to where the injured man was and helped him and they shared together. And I wonder how this encounter, this becoming neighbours, if you like, changed both men's lives afterwards. It's really got me thinking. Um, listening to people's stories, I think, is an incredibly powerful thing. We um, then start to no longer see people according to labels or stereotypes or, if we're honest, our own um, prejudices. And we gain so much from hearing those who are different from us share their experiences, um, maybe their hurts, maybe their fears. And sometimes it might not be easy listening. Maybe there's a kind of language barrier that might make that different, uh, difficult or cultural. You know, our lack of culture and understanding can make it um, awkward. But I, I really um, I really think that it can bring a deeper connection and more authentic relationships um, and help us to see people as precious individuals who Jesus loves. I've had a couple of occasions recently where I've had the privilege of listening to people's stories. One was with a, a good Christian friend of ours who, in, in our honest conversation, I was able to have a deeper understanding of that person's situation and story. And the empathy that I was then able to have was so much deeper. Um, and it kind of gave me a greater desire, I suppose, to journey, continue my journey with, with that person. Another one was a work colleague. We were sitting in one of the rare days when I was um, sitting at school with another colleague uh, recently. Um, we were typing out reports. You know, we had a deadline for these end of end of year uh, pastoral reports. And um, it was a bit inconvenient, if I'm honest, to stop and chat because I've got quite a lot to do and not a lot of time. But I felt really prompted to ask her, this lady some questions. And as a result, I just... It was amazing how God really opened up some opportunities to have that chat and has led to a greater openness in that relationship. So stories and taking the time to listen to stories uh, um, from other people can be really, really powerful. So as the Samaritan then did for the injured man, Jesus comes to us too in our pain and mess and indignity. In Philippians 2, it tells us how he emptied himself. He took the very nature of his servant and put all his glory and majesty and importance aside and he became one of us. Much of what I've been reading and hearing recently has challenged me that as Christians we need to model humility and teachability and to follow Jesus's example in being ready to empty ourselves of our sense of um, self-entitlement and I guess superiority we need to be prepared to listen and to be re-educated and above all we need to show grace and this reminded me and some of you were familiar with the things on the next slide it reminded me of how Tim our former minister often talked about the vowels of grace 
Um, and I was hunting through some um, old emails the other day and I found, came across an email that Tim wrote um, to the church in 2015, just after the um, terrible attacks in Paris on the Charlie Hebdo offices. So this is from January 29, uh, 2015, sorry, Tim wrote this. He said, theoretical openness to others is not enough. Crossing cultural boundaries may at times be awkward or causes embarrassment or be inconvenient and we may accidentally cause offence or be offended. We may be uncertain how our offer of friendship will be received, but awkwardness, embarrassment, inconvenience, offence and uncertainty sound like the vowels of grace to me. Tim wrote in a different context following um, kind of a very, um, a very sad and tragic and scary event. But how relevant is this message today in our current situation as we unpack that, the story of the Good Samaritan? I mean, surely the Samaritan must have experienced awkwardness, embarrassment, inconvenience, offence and uncertainty as he reached out to that man at the side of the road. And maybe we're being called to experience some of those things again, too. So the lawyer looks to test Jesus and win the point, maybe forcing him to say something heretical as he puts him on the spot. And Jesus challenges him to recognise that if the man in the story couldn't, see the hated Samaritan as his neighbour and accept help from him, then quite frankly, he would have been left dead at the side of the road. No one else helped him. The lawyer's narrow view of keeping the law to the letter and doing good things for God is shot out of the water as Jesus shows him how far reaching God's grace is. And what's more, he reveals the bigger, more uncomfortable and sacrificial implications of of fulfilling this commandment to love our neighbours. Jesus doesn't just want us to work out what the bare minimum we can do is to satisfy God and to keep him happy. But he wants us to flip that question around and ask, how much love can I show to those who need it? A few weeks ago, I was challenged um, by a school friend's um, passionate social media post. Um, She is white and her husband is black and they've got two beautiful um, young daughters. In the light of current events, especially after the murder of George Floyd, she's really had her eyes opened afresh to her own white privilege, as well as the inequalities and prejudices her husband has experienced and the challenges her young family are sadly likely to face. And it's made her angry, desperately sad and um, determined to be a voice for change. And to be really honest, when I read those posts at first, I thought, oh, no, I haven't got time to think about that right now. And it was really tempting just to kind of click like and and move on. But um, I had a chat with her and and she was adamant that that's the worst thing that we can actually do is to avoid the issue, to close down the discussion and to carry on with life as usual. Her husband wants white privileged people to be engaging with these issues, to ask questions and to try to understand things from a different perspective. And my friend is further down the journey, I've got to be honest, than I am. And I know, though, that I need to start these conversations, no matter how awkward, embarrassed or worried I am about, you know, causing offence or, or feeling, causing discomfort to others. I need to listen to stories, hear experiences and understand life from a different viewpoint. And I know that some of you have become similar journeys recently. So. Jesus says, go and do likewise. That's his challenge to the lawyer. I think that's his challenge to us as well. It's a calling for us to love, not those, just those who are easy to love, not just those who are like us, but those who really need it.
those who perhaps live across cultural divides, perhaps those who don't have the resources to repay us, to, to kind of love us back, perhaps those who, if we're honest, we fear we might, they might take advantage of us, and perhaps those who have a lot to teach us. So how can we do that? As individuals, I want you to think back now to the stories perhaps that you were um, talking about or sharing at the beginning. Um, what was it that provoked you? Was it um, heartbreaking discrimination on grounds of, of race or sexuality or class? Was it um, the prospect of um, lots of people without jobs? Was it, you know, the thought of children in refugee camps um, facing um, the spread of, of COVID-19? Was it a personal story that someone told you, someone in, someone who, in your life, whose perhaps story you need to listen to and act upon? Um, there's a really wise character in um, a book that we um, read as part of our book group um, on a Thursday uh, night. And it's this, I know some of some of the people in the congregation have read um, a book called Sensible Shoes by Sharon Brown. Now, I've just finished reading the fourth one in that series. And there's a wise character in there called Nathan. And he is, um, uh, he's a lecturer at university. And one of the things he encourages his students to do is, he says, learn to linger with what provokes you. You might just find the spirit of God moving there. I love that. I've, and I've been pondering it so much. Linger with what provokes you. Um, don't just kind of dismiss it, but linger with it. Ask God, well, what are you, why are you provoking me with this? Why have I got that emotional reaction? What do you want me to do? Maybe we need to be brave. Maybe we need to make that phone call, ask that awkward question. Let's be honest, repent of our apathy. Maybe we need to educate ourselves, take the time to notice those around us who need God's love and grace. And if we don't feel moved or provoked, maybe we need to ask God to soften us and to open our eyes to, to see people and situations as he does. I'm currently um, reading um, We Need to Talk About Race, um, which I know the VLT have recommended and mentioned quite a few times. And I can honestly say I've had my eyes opened and I really, really wish that I'd read it a long time ago. So if you haven't read it yet, I really would recommend um, getting hold of a copy of that book. Ben Lindsay, who, who wrote We Need to Talk About Race, he said um, he shares, sorry, a social media post that he wrote back in 2017 following um, the murder of a young black man in Charlottesville. And he said, I'm still not seeing enough condemnation and outrage about Charlottesville. Trust me, if you were white and your, your best black friend knows that this could happen in the UK, the black people at your work and places of worship and at your gym know this could happen in the UK. Show him or her you care and engage with what's going on. Don't be afraid to talk, ask questions, speak out against racism and show solidarity. It's not enough to feel moved by what we read or hear and then carry on with our lives. And he also, um, Lindsay also quotes um, a guy called René Eddy Lodge. He says, if you are disgusted by what you see and if you feel the fire coursing through your veins, then it's up to you. You don't have to be the leader of a global movement or a household name. It can be small scale as chipping away at the warped power relations in your workplace. It can be passing on knowledge and skills to those who wouldn't access them otherwise. It can be creative. It can be informal. It can be a job. It doesn't matter what you are doing as long as you are doing something. 
um, lots of you know that I'm an English teacher um, and um, I uh, teach GCSE English literature. And one of the poems that we teach is a poem called War Photographer. Some of you are probably grown in now because you have to read it and study it and learn it inside out. Um, but it's by Caroline Duffy and it explores the discomfort and pain of someone who goes to war zones and captures kind of images of war and horrific things that are happening. And then the kind of the apathy that often these pictures are met with um, when they when they are printed and, and when the kind of Western world or, or wherever back in the UK these um, pictures are viewed. And Caroline Duffy writes this in her poem. She says, the reader's eyeballs prick with tears between the bath and pre-lunch beers. The reader's eyeballs prick with tears between the bath and pre-lunch beers. And the final line of the poem is, and they do not care. So what do we do when something provokes us, when we see an injustice? Do we let it upset us for a while and then um, just kind of stay comfortable and forget about it? Or do we act? Do we ask God to help us to see people and love as he does? And this is a real personal challenge to me. But I think it's also something we can think about as a church. Um, how can we do likewise? How can we show mercy um, as a church? And I know um, Sunday Out has been put a bit on the back burner um, because of lockdown. But as we start to be able to re-engage with our communities face to face as well as virtually, I wonder how can we use Sunday out as an opportunity to be good neighbours to those who need it? How can we show them that Jesus's love and grace doesn't discriminate and crosses cultural divides? I mean, the very ethos of Sunday out, I think, um, is not expecting people to come to us, not that expecting them to follow our rules, but to meet them where they're at, at the side of the road. How can we, like the Samaritan, put our concerns about causing offence or embarrassment aside and go the extra mile to demonstrate outrageous generosity, even if it's costly or inconvenient? And on Sunday out, we, have the, we do have the gift of time. We have that time set aside one Sunday a month to be with people. As John said a few weeks ago when exploring the uh, story of Levi, we really need to follow Jesus' example by embracing those who are different to us and validating them and accepting them. Um, and obviously, we don't have to wait till Sunday out can start again officially. This can be something we can be living in now. But do be praying for Sunday out. And if you're not involved, I would really encourage you to consider what your role might be um, in this going forward, because um, it's a really great way to be loving our neighbours. Just want to finish um, with this um in our small group um we've been reading another book we've been reading chasing the dragon by jackie pullinger um who is a lady who you may have lots of you may have heard of her but she works um in hong kong and she um, went to hong kong as a quite a young woman um to work with drug addicts and gangs and prostitutes in hong kong's walled city and she went there and she just saw the deprivation and the desperate need um and she said to god god someone needs to help them and she became that someone. So I'm just going to finish um, with a prayer I came across the other day. And I, I just think it captures some of this um, really well. So um, feel free to say it with me if you want to, or um, in the quiet of your heart. So it's just on the next slide. It says, Lord Jesus Christ, I often ask you to fill me. But today I choose to empty myself for your glory. Give me opportunities in the coming week to pour my resources out for someone who is vulnerable, to spend my sense of entitlement in the service of someone who feels forgotten. 
and to give my attention and admiration to someone from another race or culture. Amen.